What is going on, everybody? This is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is a client and friend, Mikhail Ganache. Mikhail is a robotic engineer turned entrepreneur with a deep-rooted passion for family, process development, and construction. Shaped by a family lineage of business ownership and real estate development, he forged his path by launching his own construction business. Overcoming numerous challenges, Mikhail returned to his roots on the Central Coast, reinvigorating the family business with a blend of engineering savvy and entrepreneurial spirit. For the past two decades, he's been dedicated to refining and innovating his company's operations, embodying perseverance, family values, and entrepreneurship. Just a few of the golden takeaways Mikhail shares in this episode are the art of turning dreams into reality, the pay the price principle, why loving people is a strength in business, and how to choose the right company to build out and remodel your home. So without further ado, this is me and Mikhail Ganache. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us, so let's dive in. Hey, hey, Mikhail, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, TJ, thanks for having me on here, buddy. It's uh, oh. always good to talk to you. Likewise, likewise. It's always a pleasure when I get to talk to you, my friend. So, it's an honor to have you on the podcast finally, and I'm excited to dive into it. So let's get to it if you're cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, with your permission, I'd love to start with a bit of background on your personal journey. So can you just tell us a little bit about your story leading up to you becoming the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest with you, uh, that's a, a world I grew up in. Um, I grew up in Los Osos, California. My father was a real estate agent and broker and uh, also property developer. He was on the front end of what most people think of as a 1031 tax deferred exchange. That was a new concept. He was at, uh, a leader in that spearheading that kind of thinking. I grew up doing any little thing I could as an entrepreneur from shining shoes to mowing lawns and doing whatever I could, uh, being guided to how to do that well through uh, my both my parents who have, you know, uh, business ownership backgrounds themselves and their families. So that, that's just kind of was sort of baked into my mainframe. Um, uh, from there, I, I, I took some time away from that kind of thinking and wanted to get an education in uh uh, robotics. I, I found a lot of interest in that. And so I went to college, got a degree in uh, robotic engineering and um, spent some time up in Sacramento, uh, California, uh, working um, in, in robotics, doing um, industrial robots for various different uh, food and manufacturing companies. That was a, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of journey. There was a lot I learned from and took away. I think along the road, there's there's been a lot of different tools that I have collected to help refine what defines our processes today and what what helped to make me who I am. And, and a lot of a lot of failures along the way that taught. Um, from there, uh, well, in, in the middle of that, in, in between all that, I did have a point where I was working in construction, growing up in that in and around that field. My dad encouraged me to work for somebody other than himself for a little while because I grew yeah. up working for him, which also included a, a marketing company that I spent a lot of time learning about the ins and outs of marketing from my dad uh, throughout you know, traveling with him around the country. Uh, so that was a big part of my growing up, getting a lot of Zig Ziglar and Dennis yeah. Waitley and George Halsey and, and, and guys like that in, in, into my system. So that's just kind of got pumped into my blood as a kid. <laughs> Falling asleep listening to that while I was, well, I literally remember falling asleep to Zig Ziglar 
that's, that's amazing. How I, how I grew <laughs> up as a kid. Um, so uh, it, from there, I, I, I started a handyman construction business because I really didn't like working for somebody else that much. I really wanted to be in control of where things were going. And I saw that the guys I were working for were, you know, two and three decades older than me and they weren't that farther down the road. And they, if that, if my end goal was going to look like where they're at, I was like, uh, uh-uh, no, mm-hmm. that's not where I want to be. So let's run my own operation. Let's see what I can do. Uh, did well and failed a lot too, but yeah. along that road, um, had decided I wanted to do the robotics, took a break from that, went to Sacramento. And then really, ultimately, it wasn't construction that brought me back to Central Coast. It was family, which, uh, you know, if you know me, that's very central for me is, Absolutely. is family. Um, I'm the eldest of five. Uh, I just turned 50 this year. Um, and uh, our siblings have all been fairly close. And right now, still, I think two of them still live in the area where my, with us and my parents. So I'm within 30 minutes of two of my siblings and their families and my parents. I just recently moved them closer to us. Um, in, in doing that, I returned to a, the family business, which really uh, wasn't that active at that point. So I, I just wanted to get construction going. So I just re, reinvented what we were doing and rethought about how we're going to go about doing it, which was a great restart for the family business in that way. And uh, our logo is actually a logo that had been developed by my dad. So I still yeah. carry my dad's logo and then brought over a lot of the concepts and ideas that I learned uh, throughout the years, including amazingly some of the process development that I took from uh, engineering. There's a lot of a lot of process oriented reality that's there that I really thrived in and uh, came back into construction into a small kind of, you know, small Part of the country, Central Coast. I live in uh, Templeton, California. It's a very, it's an unincorporated area. It's, you know, right in the middle of the state on the coast. Not a, not a heavy population. Yeah. Um, and wanted to run a business not like the guy who just has a truck and a clipboard, you know. And uh, started applying a lot of different principles to the business, and have been just an ongoing process of refinement, as I would say, you know. So that's yeah. that's been the journey. That that time frame um, has been that that return period coming back to the Central Coast and being here for my family and with family uh, as over twenty years ago. So uh, we've been reestablished here on the Central Coast from that period of time, um, and just have have grown since then. And uh, yeah, that's that's been our been our been our evolution. So yeah. Now, I uh, run a construction company. Well, what I love, I mean, you had such a breadth of experience from, from construction to robotics and engineering and some marketing sprinkled in there. And one thing that I really admire about you from listening to your story, but really just entrepreneurs in general, is that, that you had the courage to really step out of your comfort zone, to change paths multiple times to pursue robotics, which was a big shift, I'm sure. And then returning to construction to really continue building that family legacy that, that your father, father started. So I'm curious, like as someone who has had that courage to grow and to step outside of your comfort zone and really the grit to stick with it, what advice would you give to someone who's just thinking about it right now, who's, who's thinking about going off on their own, making a big, scary change, whatever that might look like for them, but hasn't quite made the leap? motivation right yeah the hurt is there most of the time we we know something needs to change but are we are we motivated are we driven to do what it takes to change and so i i asked the questions that i would ask myself because it you know you make it sound so great tj but to be honest with you there was a lot of discouragement there was a lot of uh, lack of self-confidence there's a lot of being alone and going what am I doing uh, wh- why did I do this I, there's I'm failing I, I you know people people shouldn't count on me I'm horrible you know like uh, and one of the things that I th- think about is the pay the price principle no matter what you do in life you're going to pay, pay a price 
You need to start reckoning with the price that you are currently paying. Face it. Is it the price you want to pay? Or would you like to start paying a different price? Uh, to quote Dave Ramsey, you know, you can, you can live like nobody else now so that you can live like nobody else later. And I'm probably butchering that quote, but um, you, you have to pay a price one way or the other. And you have to decide what price you want to pay. And, and maybe, maybe entrepreneurship is not for you. I'll admit to you, one of the first things I tell people is there's a little book called uh, The E-Myth for Contractors. And, you know, you can, you can read the E-Myth in general, but I will say that all the fundamental concepts of the decision, the mindset shift that you need to have are in that little E-Myth for Contractors book. Um, and I often tell people who come to me and say, hey, Mikhail, will you, will you help me with this? And I say, read that book. After you're done reading it, if you still want to run your own business, if you still want to be an entrepreneur and do your own thing, then we'll talk. But you got to get your mind wrapped around what that's going to mean. What price are you willing to pay? Um, and reminding yourself, the reason why I'm paying this price right now is because I didn't like the other price. Yeah. I, I didn't like what it meant the other way. Uh, and that's how you keep yourself on track and motivate yourself to stay the course, or in this case, to take the leap, as many look at it is. And, and there are times when it's baby steps, and I believe in baby steps. But there's also a time for a leap. There are leaps involved, okay? And I think one of the things that's helped me decide when it's time for baby steps and when it's time for a leap is good counsel. In a multitude of counsel, plans are established. That's what the Bible tells us, and I believe it to be absolutely true. So the fact of the matter is, is you need good counsel. That may mean good coaching. That may mean hiring good accountant, uh, you know, people who will ideally know you well and have expertise in that field. That doesn't mean your buddy next door, and it might, but it means actually going out and finding people who are superstars in what you're trying to accomplish and patterning after them, asking their advice, getting around those people who are great. You know, uh, sometimes you have to be willing to pay the price to sacrifice for a time getting your own goals so that you can help the goals of those who are great just to absorb the way they do what they do, knowing the timing of things, when it's the baby step time, when it's the leap time, you know, those kind of critical instincts that you that are hard to pen or to put down, but you learn by by working with them. So um, I, there's a lot to lot to go forward, but first of all, you just have to find where your motivation is. Why do you want to do this? What's your why? Yeah, 100%. And what stood out to me over the past, what, I guess, eight months or so of working together is that your why and your motivation, at least from my perspective, is that you choose to put people first. You're consistently intentional about your application, regardless of what that might be. And you do it with a passion and a caring attitude that I can say just from being on the opposite side of it, really radiates into the people who are around you and the work that you do. And I'm not just saying that to toot your horn here. I'm actually selfishly curious, like if you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share really to elaborate on that philosophy and why you think it's critical for people to succeed in, in business and just in life in general. Well, you, you asked, so I'll be, I'll be bluntly on about it because I see one thing feeds the other. And then what I what do I mean by that? What do I mean by one thing feeds the other? And they build a because we all have uh, what I call spiraling relationships. You have relationships that spiral up and relationships that spiral down. They interchange with each other. So fundamentally people are, are centered. People are the most important thing. Period. Period. But where did that come from for me? That that was basically something I learned from the Lord Jesus Christ. He made me first. It was first me, and he chose me. He chose to give himself and his entire life for me. And because of that, um, I say people differently that way. He loved all people. Therefore, I love all people. Uh, that's a priority that I've chosen. It's become a part of who I am. And how does that spiral? The interesting irony is, is 
Jesus was right. (laughs) (laughs) On a personal level, I I love that he loves me and I love him. And what it's it's made me personally contagious around. I love to be with people. I don't care if I've just met you. I just people are the best, you know. And yeah, yeah, there's there's some difficult ones out there, but they're still lovable, you know, and it really doesn't matter. There's literally no jurisdiction to change that. If you're a human being, I love you. That's just the way it works. But interestingly enough, that's an incredible business concept, which oh my gosh, I yes. didn't really get until I really got into it. But like, I if, if I just stripped that away and just said, listen, you want to succeed? Make service your aim. Make people your aim. And interestingly enough, that was my grandfather Ganaj's motto, who just was a simple immigrant from Damascus, Syria, who ran a meat market in uh, Rochester, Michigan. Wow. Uh, and that's where my dad grew up around him. And it was, he was a man with a big smile who, who would just say service before self, service before self. And you let that guide you and it, it will always win. If you, if you run into something that went wrong, you'll probably find that something went wrong in that principle. You, you forgot that it's service before self. Now, that doesn't mean you're saying, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I'm saying yes to everything and I'm giving you whatever somebody wants. Sometimes that's not what's best for somebody. Saying yes is not always the right answer for somebody, but loving them is. Sometimes no is the best answer for them. A good example of that is we, we will often have people call our office and the right answer for them is no, we can't help you but I think I know the right person for you. Let me refer you to someone who's best suited to serve you. And that is the best way I can help you is by not serving you. So no, we're the wrong fit for you. And I think that fundamentally, I think our clients, my friends, they know that they can trust me to do that. I, I, I care first and foremost for them, not whether or not that helps me my bottom line makes me look good or any number of selfish endeavors so service before self yeah and i admire that it's definitely something to live by in business something to live by just in your personal life if you're not doing something in service of others you might want to give it a try and with that let's bring things forward to to ganache design and construction so just briefly because we're going to get into some fun stuff here just just tell us a little bit about where things are at we're in june here of 2023 what's going on at ganache we are full steam ahead into our, our summer we we really don't have an off season per se for our business and our business model has us you know intentionally tracking for consistency and predictability in every aspect process scheduling delivery it doesn't matter if you're the neighbor next door or you're living way down the street if i've just met you or i've known you for 20 years we're going to serve you both equally right mm-hmm. but right now we're in, in, our, in our in our summer season we typically run about three to four active job sites at a time we're running anywhere from you know, a dozen to two dozen uh, design projects at a time where they're going through that process. They're in in some part of that process of development, but we restrict our construction to to what we know we can have hands on and be very careful to manage well and manage expectations and get a, a master builder on site. Each job that we have has a project manager that follows the job from its concept to its completion so that there is a continuity even though there's a handoff throughout there there's different roles that are filled that one person doesn't do everything they certainly can't but their representation follows the job and i just i could be going i'm not going to do it but the stories yeah. go on and on of why that works why that's so important to the satisfaction in fact i did point out like there's a couple of new reviews on Google that actually reflect that reality. You can see that they felt that way. They realized that we held them through the whole process. We, um, 
prepared for them through it. We watched out for not just their structures. I always say we're we're not about two by fours and nails yep. and drywall. <laughs> that's that's an assumption that we're going to get that right. It's the people behind it that was their whole reason for it. So, I mean, I could deliver you an incredible end product, but if you're miserable through the whole thing and then you're miserable <laughs> at the end, I completely missed my mark. Absolutely. Uh, so well, let's that, let's paint a picture here because I think yeah. we're gonna dive we're gonna dive into a lot more of the philosophy and process. But I'd love to pretend that I'm a potential client. I'm looking to do a major whole home remodel on a higher end project. Can you describe like what can I expect from your design build process and you know really just throughout the whole project? Well, it's, it's a good question, and I, I will talk you through it. I'm going to give you a caveat, though. We depend so heavily on process so that yeah. nobody forgets one thing. I can guarantee you, as I talk you through this, I'm going to forget something. <laughs> but <laughs> it starts with uh, you're, you've called in, you've looked for us online, you've had a chance now to talk, talk to someone in our office who is it just in all aspects trying to protect your time and our time. From day one, it's protect your time, protect your money, right? So when you first call, we're wanting to find out, is this a good fit? Or should we should we refer you to somebody else right away? So you're quickly in talking to the right people. That's the goal. Are we talking to the right people right away? So we'll see if their project is a fit for what we are geared up for. We don't just take jobs. We take projects and clients that are a fit for what the system we've put in place. And uh, that means it's not necessarily one company's better than another. We just have the way we go about how we do it. And it's a fit for some people and not a fit for others. So we'll quickly get to that. Once you have, you're going to meet with uh, uh, somebody on site, usually myself or a project manager and, and a designer who's going to go with you, uh, meet with you, find out if we really a fit, have a face to face, get a rough idea of what your dream, what your ideas are, your timing, your budget. If that really is still a good fit, what we're going to end up doing is, is getting a conceptual design contract with you. During that conceptual phase, we're going to do our discovery as quickly and efficiently as possible because during that period, we're really just trying to spend very little money. We usually just take a retainer and we're going to work through some basic details. What is going to happen? Where is it going to happen? What will the county allow us or the jurisdiction allow us to do and not do? And then get a, a rough sketch of what you're wanting to do so we can quickly get to a budget estimate, find out if we're even in the ballpark. we got a feasibility that we've put together. We call it our rough construction estimate. And then we get together and meet, find out if we're still on the same page and we're tracking well. If we are, there may be some refinements to that design, but our next goal is to get you to a permitting contract. The permitting contract is where we're just going to permit the project, engineering, soils reports, and a lot of the different details, flush out the plans, and go through all your selection. The goal for us, though, is it's important. We're trying to empower you. I, I, I try to have a client be empowered to make choices. It's a, it's a concept. We're not interested in making those choices for our clients. We want to help them have the feel like they confidently made them. We make the ones that they don't need to, but there's a lot we want to give them. Yeah. So the conceptual phase is intended to educate and, and empower them to with confidence say, yes, I like this drawing. This is wonderful. I, I'm comfortable with this rough price. I'm comfortable with the timing of this. Let's go ahead. I'm comfortable saying let's permit this project. So now we're going to commit to a fixed permitting cost. During that, you're going to be working with a, a, you know, a selection manager who's going to maybe go shopping with you, either online, virtually, physically, talk you through every single choice so that you feel, you feel fully educated. You're, you're given some options. We'll help you make some of them. Help, we'll throw flags if maybe there's a conflict between some things that you're, you're thinking about. So you can feel comfortable to dream and know that some, we're not going to let you go totally wrong. You know, we're going to okay. Well, hold on, hold on. That's not that's not a craftsman style. You know, yeah. <laughs> that looks like Victoria. I would certainly need sure all of that. Want to do that, <laughs> right? So we would help you with that, right? 
right? Um, and all of that's geared to talk you through it while you're interacting at this point with our project management software, Co-Construct. In Co-Construct, you're gonna now see live your estimate and your selections and all of the centralization of communication. So that's the communication with tradesmen, um, your, your master builder, your designer, selection management, all of those communications are there for that 2 a.m. panic when you're wondering if you would ask me to do this or that, and you look at it at the message board and the communication about your kitchen faucet, and sure enough, you did tell me that you wanted the brush nickel, even though it had said earlier the bronze, and I'm sure we changed it brush nickel. Yes, that was the right one. That was ordered, and you can go back to sleep, okay? And so all those are happening, and while that's being developed, you're watching that you've actually been empowered to control your bottom line on that estimate because your allowances that you've been given get turned into the actual choice that you made. So let's say you had a faucet and there was an allowance for 500 and there were five different choices of varying different prices. You could decide if you wanted the under budget, over budget, on budget number. End result is you're going to be you're going to be looking at your bottom line so when i come to you and say hey just as we had scheduled your permit is about to come it's time to go under construction contract and buy all your selection materials ahead of schedule so that we have our schedule of construction uninterrupted let's dial in our construction schedule you're ready you're you're prepared this is not news to you yeah, and no we surprises. go to construction contract yeah and we now that we're under construction contract. We're going to purchase all of your selections ahead of time. Quality control over all of those. Bring them in. Make sure they don't get backordered. We often buy things literally with time for them to be backordered. Meaning, let's say the manufacturer says it's going to be three weeks. We're going to buy it six weeks in advance so that it can come in, be broken, send it back, get a different one, and still be on schedule. So that's a major goal for us. So then we'll hit it, hit it under construction. And hopefully at that point, you're just going to be along for the ride. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to watch. You get to see the masterpiece come to life. Yeah, very few executive decisions are going to need to be made through that process. You're just you're there to enjoy this process. The bottom line is, and I, I tell people, we want to be that easy button for you. So you, you, you hit that button and we will walk you through the process so that you can actually be enjoying this. For, for the amount of money you're spending, it would be a travesty for you to be so anxious and frustrated. It should be enjoyable as you're doing this. So that's that's our goal. And then by the time we're all done, we're gonna go through an exhaustive punch list together where we have to mutually agree that this job is done. Everybody's smiling and it is, we're gonna nitpick it. That's, I'm gonna be with you. We're gonna, we're gonna be right down to the blue tape of every little nick and whatever. So it's perfect when we're done, okay? And then somebody is going to come through and clean it. We have professional cleaners that make your home immaculate as if it was like the most beautiful Airbnb that you walked into. It's all just clean and ready to go and for you to move in. You move in, you get everything situated, you're comfortable, and you'd like to show it off to a few friends. Well, we've planned for that because what we're going to do is we're going to throw the party for you on our dime, your friends the food you want, the drinks you want, the time you want to do it at, and we're going to throw a party. And we're going to say, hey, let's, let's let everybody take a look at this. And we're going to invite the tradesmen who, who did the work so that you can talk to them about it. You can experience what it was like, ask them what it was like to work on it uh, and, and have all, all, all that fun time. And then, of course, obviously, we're, we're in contact with you later because you've got, a, you've got a warranty period and we're, we're going to we're going to let you know on month 11 that it's coming up and you want to be sure not to let anything that's kind of not working right to, to, to fail you. If there's a, an appliance that needs to be uh, execute the warranty, you don't want to find out on month 14 that you missed your warranty. And so we'll let you know. And so, and then of course, uh, you know, some of our clients we work with over and over again, we have some clients we've worked with for the last like 20 years, they're still doing projects. So that's kind of the life cycle of, of our of our clients, they our our clients become our our friends in a way. You know, we don't necessarily hang out all the time, but I I, I see my clients on a regular basis. We're in a small community, and 
and uh, staying connected is pretty normal. You know, I get, I, I just had a safety question from a client the other day that we hadn't done work for in many years. And he was just concerned. And he called me and said, Hey, I, I'm worried about this electrical thing going on. And, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm coming through that part of town later today. Let me stop by and I'll check it out. And I checked it out and gave him some tips about how to detect whether or not it's actually an electrical failure and where, where he should be concerned about fire. And that's just the way we run, you know? So that's, that's the life cycle of a client. Yeah. I mean, what jumps out to me immediately is just peace of mind. I mean, having to think through all of those steps on your own, especially as a homeowner who has never gone through that process before, like you said earlier, working, working with a guy with a truck or working with, yeah, working with a guy with a truck is a lot different than working with a design build company and especially a design build company like yourself that isn't just doing the design work, the construction, but is literally helping you with all of your selections, throwing a party for you when it's all said and done and celebrating and really giving you that one-to-one time with the people who helped make it happen. It's very different than anything I've ever heard before. And I'm curious because the design piece is clearly what differentiates you from just hiring a contractor to come remodel your home and then finding an architect. And now you've got even more moving pieces in the works. Like what is your design philosophy at Ganage? Or do you just kind of work with clients and really build off of their philosophy? Or do you have your own kind of tried and true way of of thinking about that? You know, there's, um, there are some standard designs from an architectural standpoint, there are some, some things that work well. Um, another way to look at it is like music. There, uh, music has harmony. There's harmonics in music and building design has harmonics. Just like I talked about a craftsman style home and then a Victorian trim, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't harmonize, it doesn't fit. And so, so those are some things that in the design process where a client comes to us, generally they're coming to us with a spatial problem. They're, they're wanting their, their space to be different, to feel different, to be used different. Um, and we want to help them do that. We are either A, going to help them do that in a way that fits with an existing type of structure design, or sometimes we get the privilege of reinventing a home so that by the time we're done, it isn't the style it was Can't even before, recognize which it. is kind of fun to do. You, you never, you take this flat roof, mid-century modern, tear the entire lid off and put a vaulted, you know, a scissor truss system on top of it with these faux beams all over the place. And you turn it into this Japanese style home. And you're just like, how did you guys do that? You know, <laughs> and so those can be fun but you want it to be consistent. So we will often, you know, we're unlike an architectural firm where a lot of times they have it in their head exactly how they would like to see designs come off and they're going to go, okay, this is the, we really let our clients drive, but we guide them with fundamental principles. It's kind of like if you came to me and said, Mikhail, I have this idea for a song. I'm not going to start telling you, I don't like that style of music. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the notes or I'm going to listen to what you just kind of started together or read the lyrics that you've written down and kind of pick up on what are you trying to do with this? What mood do you want to set with this song? What, what kind of living environment do you want? What's your lifestyle going to be like? And then we're going to make suggestions about design intent around what, what your life is going to be like. Because in the end, it's usually not about some amazing particular piece of architecture in your home. It's usually, does everything feel like you? Does it fit the way you like to live your life? Um, and it's just seamless. It doesn't even stand out to you anymore. It's just a seamless fit with your, your life. So it harmonizes with you like a piece of music. So whether it be how you turn the corner, where things are located, where a niche is located, the colors that make you happy, the, the kind of feel and touch, the um, the, the aesthetics are involved, you know, like just some people like you know, I was people used to really get into uh, pebble floors on mm-hmm. showers. It used to be a really big thing. Still, some people like that. But it's it's a texture, this idea that I'm going to go into a shower barefoot and I'm going to feel pebbles on my feet. You know, yeah. people got got, got bringing nature about, into you know, your indoor. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
an experience there. You know, so we spend a lot of time trying to understand and learn about our clients. That's the a big thing, you know, and, and we, don't get me wrong, we miss it all the time. But interestingly enough, this is why the process is the way it is. We, we recently had this situation. We came away from a meeting, that first meeting that I mentioned, thought we had made a pretty good list of what the client was about and put together our first preliminary sketches and we missed the mark. Um, but at that point, very little time had been spent. Very little money had been spent. We hadn't lost much. It was a rough draft. Went to the client. The client said, no, we missed it here, missed it there. And like, no problem. Made the corrections and the client was thrilled and we were back on track with it because our process allowed for that to quickly get on track. Whereas in contrast, you know, referring to a little video that I, I put together here recently, client who had went to an architect and many months later and close to $40,000 later, they had a design that they couldn't afford and really weren't totally in love with. Um, and that breaks my heart because I really want to get somebody quickly to something that works for them. So design philosophy, my design philosophy is to design what you want and but bring to you um, architectural ideas and concepts that fit with what I'm hearing harmonically in what your life is supposed to be like, okay, what you want to do. So we'll make suggestions and then we'll value engineer inside of that. We're like, well, since that's what you like, what do you think about doing this over here? Because that would, that would, you know, like, as you hear the phrase, kill two birds with one stone, you'd get this and you'd get that. And so it really, I, I really get off on trying to bring the style and the value in at the same time. When we can pull that off, I get really giddy about it, you know, so <laughs> I bet. It's, it's fun to make that happen. So you mentioned co-construct and kind of a two-part question here with co-construct and just your process. How do you handle project timelines and budget and who will be my primary contact throughout the project and how often can I expect to receive updates on what's going on? That's a great question. So co-construct, how co-construct relates to those questions is probably what I'm, what I'm hearing when you say. So co-construct will be the virtual manager of all of that communications, all right? Um, and so anything that may happen or transpire will be there. All, all of your contracts, uh, paperwork will all be filed in there, photographs there. In there is a, is a job log that happens almost daily, and that job log is, is, is accessible to you. That job log basically is a, a, a very simple status update on whatever is actively happening and photographs of where the activity is within your project. Uh, we do have a lot of out-of-town clients, clients that are not around here. There are many hours and sometimes out of the country I was just on a Zoom call with a client who was in the south of France and we're working on their project while they're in France. Oh. And so we were needing to coordinate some decisions and look at some details, but literally while they're there, they're getting job log entries. So they physically feel like they're there and seeing exactly what's happening on their project. Um, as far as schedules concerned, you have a schedule. Once we go under construction, you have a calendar-based schedule that's in co-construct that shows you a detailed demolition, rough framing, you know, framing of plumbing, uh, map of um, inspection, and every little detail you could imagine that goes into a construction schedule is spelled out in there, all right? So you can see it. It, it, it also coordinates with your billing. So when, you're, when you have our contract for construction, your contract has a list of invoices that you're going to expect to see. And they're not even like, what's it going to be? It, it literally says that tells you what the invoice will be for. It gives you the language of the invoice and the amount. And then you coordinate that with literally the action item that's happening in your schedule. And you know precisely when you're going to get invoiced and what you're going to be invoiced for. So there's no mystery. You know, you know how to move money around if you need to, to manage that. So you're literally watching as things are going to be completed, then you're getting an invoice for completion, which usually is happening like once a week, you know, something like that. Okay. You can watch that schedule. If there's changes to the schedule, they happen instantaneously. 
you would be notified if there was a significant impact to that schedule and said, hey, just letting you know. If there's change order requests that you have made for us, they're going to happen inside a co-construct where that change order has date, uh, uh, impact to the, to the project cost, impact to the project schedule, and then maybe there's some photographs involved, and then you're required to sign it. Your project manager is required to sign it. Only then does that, interestingly enough, automatically go to any trade partner that impacts. So let's say you'd requested to have an additional color painted on uh, of some wall. You wanted an accent wall. It wasn't originally in the contract, but you decided you wanted to add an accent wall. I got a price from the trade partner. I gave you an impact of what the cost and time was. As soon as you said approved, it immediately notified the subcontractor on the job. Yes, this has been approved. You may now go ahead and do the accent wall. Change orders don't happen until that way. A lot of people I hear go, oh yeah, I got an invoice and there was this list of things that said change orders and I didn't even remember talking about that. <laughs> that just never happens, period. Yeah. This is well, not the so way much works. to keep, keep track I of without that. I wouldn't pay an invoice. If I wouldn't do it, why would I ask you? Why would I ask you to do what I wouldn't do? That's not right. So it needs to be notified in writing. You chose it, you approved it. And that's, that's how it works. So you'll see all that. Following the question about who's, who's tracking, who's communicating with you. So you're going to have a project manager who's assigned to you at the beginning of your project. So what does that mean? The beginning of your project. So for us, when I say the beginning of your project, there are really, your project begins at the concept level. All right. And so during that first conceptual phase, you're probably just going to interact with your designer. But during that design uh, handoff where we're going to go into permitting and that that plan is now going to start being real. It's not like we're playing around with digital putty. We This is what you want. Now your project manager is going to be introduced to you and he's going to start taking on uh, an ownership of who you are, what that project's all about, and he's going to track with you for the rest of the project, for, through the permitting, through the selection, uh, through the bid process, through the construction and the final completion so that there is a continuity and uh, you can basically go to him, hey, what's going on? I thought we talked about, and you can see your communications and co-construct and verify what's happening. That's the same person who's gonna be updating you on what's happening on your project, coordinating with you about site preparation, site protection. A lot of our projects have some sensitive things that need to be cared for and taken care of. You know, Maybe there's some temporary walls that went in place or whatever it may be to protect our clients existing environment. That project manager is the one who's going to hand off, handle all of that. And as is our policy, let's just say you had a conversation with uh, your project manager. The thing that that project manager will do is do what we call a per hour conversation documentation. Mm -hmm. So you'll have a verbal meeting with them and then they're going to immediately go to co-construct and they're going to, they're going to write that up as what their understanding, what their takeaway was for that meeting so that you can see it I get to see it. Your designer gets to see it. Everybody, Everybody on the team sees it. So if there is something amiss about what's being communicated, any one of those people in there can go, whoa, 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 time out. Something's not making sense to me. Either A, we can't do that, or B, that wasn't what the client was telling me. So we all have a way of weighing in. Even though you have a singular project manager, you have all these people who have been a part of your team who have a way of checking it. So you have the abundance of counselors. So again, remember, as I said before, in the multitude of council plans are established. So now you have these counselors for you. You've not just hired, like going to a firm for a law firm, you didn't hire just a lawyer, you hired a law firm. And that's another powerful thing to realize when you hired us, you didn't just hire an individual, you hired a team of individuals who have, were selected for their individual specialties and abilities. And they're bringing those unique gifts and abilities to the team for your benefit, okay? And then all that gets communicated within Co-Construct so we can all benefit from it and collaborate no matter where we are at, okay? I hope that answers that question. Crystal clear. And you mentioned your, your tradespeople that you work with, your subcontractors. Can you talk to me a little bit about the subcontractors that you partner with, how do you select 
contractors that you work with and why should I trust in their quality and process? Yes, another great question. Um, the, what, I, what I hear you asking about is the vetting process. What is our, yeah. our vetting process? And again, you hear that word process, that there needs to be a vetting process. We have a, a very clear document that we follow and a process that we determine in, in vetting a, a new trade partner. And uh, frankly, a lot of our trade partners we've worked with for many, many years because they enjoy working for us because there's this reciprocal reality. I am very protective about their work environment, just like I am protective for my client's home environment. Um, we, we hire subcontractors who like the kind of work environment that we promote. You know, for example, we don't allow obscenity on our, on our we don't allow rude, loud music going up on our job site. We expect people to be respectful, considerate of our clients, of one another. This is a professional environment. I expect you to act professionally. If you can't, you don't belong on this team. This team is about mutual respect for one another, no matter what. And that may and back to that whole thing about loving other human beings. We're all humans. We need to mutually respect one another. I don't want to hear this. I don't, I don't like to work with that guy, or I can't work with him, or you know, I, I'll work after he leaves the job site. Then that that doesn't that doesn't sound like a partner to me. And those don't work. Okay. And that's notice I didn't talk about money. It's got nothing to do with money yet. But what you know what's really funny is. Here's the funny thing, TJ, is this intangible about money. People always ask, like, where's the money in this? I got What I have found over the years is that when I put a good partnership together, just like putting a good engine together, and all of a sudden you tune, I date myself, you tune the carburetor <laughs> right, it just purrs. It, it purrs, purrs, and it is the sweetest, beautiful sound. And there's something that I really get excited about is when my team partners as a team pull off a project and I can almost hear it purring, you know, and what happens when that purrs in an engine, better fuel economy, faster, you know, it, everything about that car runs better, right? So believe it or not, the bottom line dollar, uh, a, a, more, a more efficient, profitable, cost-effective project happens when these partners all work well together and project by project, it begins to build on itself. So my prices are different than other people's price because my trade partners like to work with me and like to work with the trade partners I've put together. It, it, um, we recently hired a, a new project manager and uh, sorry, job superintendent. And uh, uh, one of the things that came up is uh, Nick is, um, He's actually a retired professional athlete. Was uh, that was construction wasn't his first target zone. You know, okay. he'd actually been you know manager of major events. Was the actual uh, team leader on a lot of his um, uh, professional sports experience. Um, and one of the reasons why I hired him was because I wanted somebody who could be the coach for the team. I needed him to understand you are going to lead this team. Um, and it's been amazing to watch how he leads his team of partners, both our employees who are in the field and our trade partners who are on the job, what that looks like and the dynamic when it begins to purr, you know. And so they, you know, brass tacks, right? Trade partner needs to be licensed, bonded, and have liability insurance. To me, this is a no-brainer. It's like two walls have two-by-fours in them. Of course, they have two-by-fours in them. Of course, there's 16 on center. You know, like, that's a silly question, right? So licensed, bonded, insured. We don't even, I don't even, we won't even talk to you if that's not the case. And that gets checked on an annual basis. We have a, we have a contract with them that states all kinds of requirements that are above and beyond the state requirements. Statements regarding their conduct. Statements regarding how they will do a number of things on our job. Uh, that are just our standard. This is our way of doing things, and you need to be a part of that. You need to be on board with the way we do things, do our our projects. And so that's a that's a protected environment. It's exciting for our guys to work there. And, uh, and you know, frankly, we're always on on the hunt for new, fresh guys who are excited to be in a learning environment. Because I would say we're a we're a proactive environment. If there's new ideas, new concepts, new technology, you know, here I am with my 
robotics background. Like we were, you know, I mean, it, it oh, is yeah. a constantly evolving reality. What is new? What is what is a better process? What is a better way to go about that? Let's evaluate it. Let's give it a chance. Let's check it out. My engineer that I work with, I got a, our structural engineer. I've, I chose him because he's forward thinking like that. We're constantly looking for unique solutions that still fit within the calculations required. So, yeah, that's that's a bit about our trade partners. But yeah, I, I could go on because they definitely excite me. These are these are yeah. fantastic guys. Try to protect their time, their environment. I, I'm always looking out for their ability to be able to spend time with their families. Um, you know, happy trade partners are good trade partners. <laughs> People first, people first. People first. Thank you. Right. Thank you for sharing that, Mikhail. And I mean, obviously, not every project is going to be perfect. It's not all going to go smoothly 100% of the time. So what happens if if the project doesn't meet deadlines or, or expectations aren't met at some phase of the project? How do you navigate those challenging conversations and, and situations that come up? First, we take a deep breath. <laughs> then we apologize for missing the mark. Ownership is important. The first step to making correction is to own the mistake. That was us. We did that. I am sorry. I missed, I missed the mark, and I fully understand your frustration. And it's we, we, we deserve that frustration. We missed, your, we missed, we missed the expectation. Please give us every opportunity to, to remedy or correct it. And we do. We will bend over backwards. We'll do whatever it takes to, to, to make it work. Um, and so, you know, that, that it happens. Um, of course. It, it, rarely, it rarely does in, on, a, on a grand scale. But, you know, uh, we have things like uh, um, we thought – we thought some flooring had been ordered by our trade partner. He had made a mistake. He had forgot to order the flooring. Shouldn't be a big deal. When he went to go order it, normally it would have been fine. It was back ordered. Back ordered two months beyond when it should be installed. Client is understandably disturbed, frustrated. What can we do? I'll tell you what I did. I searched the county. I was on the phone, on the web, all over the state of California. What can I do to get that girl her flooring? Floors. I don't even care what it costs. doesn't matter to me. What are we going to do to get the flooring? That's just her flooring. She made a decision on his flooring. I told her we'd get it for her. Let's get it. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. Did whatever I could. This is an out-of-town client, too, to top it off. Whatever I could, videos. Like, I, what do I got to do to get samples to find the most get the the product as close as possible to what you selected? Thankfully, I believe we found something that's really close. You know, she's she ended up being happy about it. But um, yeah, you you first you own it, then you start doing whatever you need to do to solve it. And if that means you got to jump in there and get uncomfortable, you've got to. But I think the key to it is first thing is to is to own your problem, own the mistake. And then the rest will start coming together. People are a lot more understanding if you if you own the reality that you're the ones that made the mistake. Um, and they, there's there's always something that comes up. I, I say, um, probably gonna, I think it was you that told me I need to do this, but <laughs> gonna do a little video just explaining something that happened to me the other day, but I'll just give you a teaser on it. The reality is, is you know, I had someone say, uh, it was a young guy, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm in school and I'm looking to kind of see if I can get an internship with you guys after I get out of school. And, and then he goes, I'm, I'm an A student and I, I think I'll be able to do well for you guys. That kind of, I don't just kind of triggered something to me and I says, an A student. All right. So, so you do better than 90% on all your, all your stuff. And yeah, yeah. I average over 90%. I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. I said, are you prepared to be a hundred percent at what you do? And I kind of took him back and then I stopped and said, no, I, that's perfect. We're human. You're not going to get there. I said, but do you have any idea where we operate? So what do you mean? I said, we operate at 99.9. Okay. That's 99.9% .9 right all the time. And that last 1%, that fraction of a percent 
is where we're constantly refining and perfecting. And if necessary, that's where our liability insurance comes in. Something goes wrong. You know, see, people say, well, why do you have liability insurance? I says, I have liability insurance because I want to stand by my word. Because if I say that something is going to be taken care of and it goes wrong, I need to be sure that no matter what, I can still take care of my clients, even, even despite my humanity or my trade partner's humanity. Things happen. I need to be able to make it right 100%. And the only way to be 100% is to be able to do those kind of things and reconcile um, issues that come up. You know, so it's really interesting. I'll probably do a little thing. Yeah, there's no such thing as 90% in my field. There's not even 95%. It just doesn't exist. You're not going to make it at 95%. So if you think you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're going to present a product and you think you're bringing it at 90%, no, no, no. Go ahead and test out your 80% product on a friend of yours to see if your idea is any good, but yeah. don't go to market at 90%. Go to market when it's 99%. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, as we transition here, I mean, you've given us probably over a hundred things that set you apart from other remodeling contractors. But if you had to distill it down to a core message or idea, what what is that that sets Ganache Design and Construction apart from some of your competitors? Not to like name anybody, but. People first, target 100% and have the grit to drive at that last fraction of a percent in your product and your process. Do not become complacent because you've arrived and you're now making a dollar and you feel like you're you're successful and now you're going to take take easy street go buy the fancy truck i haven't bought a truck and i don't know how long like maybe i should i don't know but i i, I don't believe in that i'm just going to say to the other guys i'm sorry i don't i don't buy into this i'm going to go buy your cycle no you know we keep reinvesting in the growth of yourself and your company hire coaches pay for that conference Go learn how to do better at what you do. Be on the front end. Go to the code trainings. Be the guy, be the contractor who knows as much as the building department knows because you were at the same training as they are. Every year, I go to the trainings. Be on the front end of those things and you will succeed. But never be satisfied and be complacent. Don't ever sit back on that and go, yeah. Oh, boy, it's nice to be nice to be doing so great. No. Yes, congratulations. You're, you're doing good. Take a deep breath. Take a vacation. You know, pat yourself on the back. Enjoy it. Yeah. And drive that better. Keep that grit. Keep that competitive edge. 100%. Always be learning. Always oh. be pushing the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. All right, Makai. Well, as we move to wrap things up here, one of the biggest hurdles that most successful entrepreneurs pe or just people in general face at one time or another is living a well-rounded life and, and doing the things that, that bring us joy with the people we care about most. What does living that well-rounded life look like for you? I'm so glad you brought that up because even as I'm reflecting on my answer to your previous question, I know that some might take that and just head down a path that just doesn't leave them balanced. So I oh, love no. balance. So thank you for bringing that up because I want to articulate that I didn't get a chance because in the midst of that, you have to appreciate, um, I'm striving for excellence, but I have boundaries. Now, if you haven't read that book before, but there's a really good book out there called Boundaries. And it's, it's great for relationships, but it just kind of sets a mindset about boundaries around your life in general. And I, I like to make a statement. I like my work. I love my family, and I'll remind myself of that. I like my work. I love my family. So I will perform with excellence. I will continue to strive for absolute excellence and perfection in my work. But if I'm not striving for that within my family, what was the point? What a waste. You know, you need to find out what drives you, what's important to you. And, and, and maybe it is. Maybe your whole love and your life 
is about work and you don't have family around you. And that's balance for you. But in, in that, you've got to ask, well, what else is, I often tell them, what hobbies do you have? Do you have a bucket list? I often say, well, what's your bucket list? What do you mean I have a bucket list? You need, everybody's got to have a bucket list. Got to have a bucket list. What's your bucket list? You know, what are the things that drive you? Um, you know, schedule that time off to think and be. One of the things that my coaches have driven on me from day one was to schedule time for the big picture. And sometimes that means you just got to go do something you can relax and enjoy and then and then wind and give yourself the mental space to think through what you're doing, to kind of back up and look at it from a distance for a minute and and go, am I really even going where I want to go? Um, uh, I have one of the guys working for us now. He came to us after having run his own company for a number of years and discovered he doesn't like it. Okay, he's the kind of guy who should have read the e-myth for contractors and said, no, that's not for me. It's not for me. He's fantastic. He's, he's a rock star, but he, that's not for him. And now he's enjoying working for us because his balance to his life is where he wanted it to be. And that's going to be important. I wish I could just say, here's the formula. These are the things that you should do. It's not that easy. It's different for you everyone. you got to find that balance for you. Yeah. yeah, it's different. But you've got to take the time to do it and find out where it is. Um, and I think the key is, is, is boundaries. Where are those boundaries? There are certain relationships that should have boundaries, like the work-home boundary. Where's that boundary? Right. I actually had to learn that uh, this is early, early days that I couldn't work out of my home. I needed to, and in my case, I actually built an office on our property. So it's not entirely fair, but like I have a building, I go to work and uh, I needed to create that boundary for a work uh, life balance. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's critical. And I think, it, you know, one last comment with that regard is there are a lot of people who try to fix that with um, addictions, to be honest with you, alcohol, drugs, some other high, some other adrenaline rush, some other fix when the problem was you're just out of balance. You think you got to go see a doctor for it and, and, the, and they're going to give you some prescription to fix the fact that you can't make the hard choices and putting boundaries in your life that say no, so that you're not going crazy. You can take a deep breath and rest and do what you need to do, do what's important to you. And all of a sudden, you'll find mental balance. All of a sudden, you're not so anxious, you know. Um, maybe you don't have such digestive problems now that you've stopped to actually eat your meals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, simple things, the simple things. But, no, it's such a great reminder. Uh, I mean, you, you really have to design your life. And if you're in business for yourself, you need to design your business around the right. life that you want to live. If you're not steering the ship, someone else is steering it for you. And yeah. you have to do that work. You have to step back, whether that's taking time to really unplug and go and reflect and really map it out, whether that's pen and paper or just meditation or thinking or working with a coach and having somebody that can really pull the right strings to get you to have those aha moments. And it's so critical to be able to say, this is what I can say yes to, and this is what I will not say yes to. And these are the lines that I will go up to and cross, and these are the lines that I will not. Because otherwise, man, it's it's easy to just look back one day and say, how the heck did we get here? Right. You know, I, mean, uh, I guess one brief example of that just kind of hits home for me is, you know, I know we all know somebody who's retired, and it's kind of this yeah. joke almost. He, he got, he's retired and now he's more busy retired than before, right? Oh, yeah. And so here's this really important fundamental concept often missed by somebody who wants to go into business for themselves. They're working for somebody else. They're, they, the grass seems greener on the other side. And it may, may be, but they have mis, misunderstood that this employment world that they're used to living in held a certain discipline over their mind and body that they have never had. And if they go into business for themselves, if they don't exercise this discipline, they will find that that flabby muscle will allow them to do things in their new, new environment that they created for themselves that doesn't have discipline built into it by a boss, 
they will behave and conduct themselves in a way that just will run them ragged and they will be their own worst employer. They will be their own worst employer. And it's, it's a miserable way to be. And you see that in some people who retire, who used to have a very structured, disciplined situation to their life. And now all of a sudden it's not there and they feel the freedom to do whatever, again, back to boundaries, they haven't set boundaries in their life. And now all of a sudden, they're not really even enjoying it. They're just going crazy. They're like, oh, I'm exhausted all the time. Like, what? well, put some structure in place. You, you, you thought that being employed and now I don't have, I don't have to be anywhere anytime. I mean, the, the lack of structure was good. It's a myth. Structure brings you peace. It brings, it brings boundaries, allows you to operate within certain things. Like, like literally carving out on your schedule, I'm going to go sit, have a cup of coffee and just ponder because you put it on your Google calendar and obeyed it. So that's, I'm going to go do that, you know, yeah. simple stuff like that. Okay. Absolutely. So much here, but we're going to close it out. Where can people okay. find and support <laughs> you, connect with you online, Mikhail, website, socials, yeah, things you've like got that. The, you and uh, you'll find that on the website. You'll find that at Instagram, as well as a Facebook page. Um, you know, you can find all of our contact information there. You're able to email me through that. That would be that would be fine. Um, and uh, I'm always open to help people. Uh, particularly, have a passion for the, the the local contractors that I have around here, trying to help them succeed. I. I don't like to try to be looking at myself as competing with them. I'd like them all to do well. I would Absolutely. like it if everybody in my industry stepped up the game regarding professional conduct and we changed the reputation and, and customers began to consider contractors some of the best people to work with. And that's, I'd love to see that happen. <laughs> if anyone is going to create that momentum, that wave, Mikhail, it's it's you. And this has been such a privilege um, getting just to learn more about Ganache, getting to learn more about your philosophy. I'm, I'm really grateful for your time this afternoon. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. It, it was a joy to do it. And if it helps anybody at all, I'm, I'm thrilled. So thank you for the opportunity, TJ. Absolutely. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.